If you have your Bibles this morning in paper form or on a device, let's go back to the book of Ecclesiastes. For those of you who are guests this morning, we began a study in this book recently. This book is part of scripture that is considered Old Testament wisdom. Basically, what is wisdom? How do we take God's words and give them hands and feet? You have to be able to live what you know about the Bible. Uh, That's really what wisdom is. The Bible says, though, that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, and the beginning of wisdom is God. So if you're going to fear God, that means you're going to know more about God, and he's going to give you an understanding of the word of God so that you can live your life according to God. Are you with me? The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. So the fear of God is the beginning of understanding who God is so that he can help you understand the word of God, the Bible, so that he can help you understand how to live the word of God. And that's really what wisdom literature does, especially the book of Ecclesiastes and uh, also uh, other uh, scriptures that King Solomon uh, was helped by God to write. Last week I asked you to write at the beginning, if you believe in writing in your Bibles or maybe you're taking notes, um, a New Testament text that would help us understand a summary of the book of Ecclesiastes. And that was 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. Humble yourselves under God's mighty hand, and he will exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him because he cares for us. So like as we heard just a few minutes ago, whether someone's saved for days, weeks, or months, if you're newer to the family of God and you're just now beginning to launch out in your understanding of what the Bible says, okay, uh, you'll want to develop a pattern early in your walk with God that many are sitting seated around you have been living for quite some time since they've known Christ and And life's going to be very, and that's this, life is going to be very difficult and confusing to understand sometimes. God has a perfect, beautiful plan for every life, but it's so intricate and it's so detailed, it's impossible for any finite, any created person to understand it. But he's got it. He's created it. It's perfect. It's beautiful. Simple for him, complicated for us. So whether we're going through a time of joy or a time of tragedy, 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7. Humble yourself and he'll exalt you in due time. Take all those cares, cast them upon him because he cares for you. Now I'm going to give you an Old Testament text that sounds very, very similar to that to write in the beginning of this book as well. A verse that's familiar to many people that have known Christ for years. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It says this, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, and do not lean unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. Life's complicated. God's got it. You may never understand it, but trust in Him with all your heart. While we go through the overview of the book of Ecclesiastes, I'm going to continue to give you Old Testament and New Testament texts that kind of give us some summary understanding of what we need to know before we dive in 
to the granular detail of a wisdom book that the smartest man that ever lived outside Jesus Christ penned. If you dive into its granular nature first, you'll be most confused. So we've got to give an overview, kind of give you a basic understanding. We've got to really load the plane one passenger at a time, right? And then uh, before we can leave to the tarmac and then the runway and then take off, okay? Because we're going to be in this book for a significant portion of this year. There are three basic ways that you can understand wisdom literature, and particularly the book of Ecclesiastes. And this book has been approached three different ways like this. You may have heard someone in the past teach you this book or preach this book to you. The typical person in the world would look at this book and and blindly follow along. They're given to their strong, sinful desires that confuse and deceive them, ultimately leading them to the path of destruction. And when they look at the book of Ecclesiastes without Christ, they kind of see the same thing. What's so different about this Solomon guy? Right? When people who don't know Jesus read this book, all they see is, K sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. Right? The blind leading the blind. And that's certainly not the understanding of this book the Holy Spirit would have us uh, take home with us. You may have approached this book this way in the past. As a truth seeker, you're always attempting to extract the purpose from life, but with only the best our mere human understanding can do. And then you might still leave yourself confused in the end of the day. Often when I read this book growing up as a young person, even as an adult and even as a pastor, you pray for God to give you wisdom, you look into it and you you read it and because it's a complex book and a difficult book to understand, you're left as a truth seeker, left with, wow, I'm still sure, I'm still not sure I get what he's trying to say. We can't be left to our own understanding, though, in understanding God's book. We've got to have his understanding. We've got to have his purpose. So a third and final way that we ought to understand this book is this way. As a man who orients himself or herself to the meaning and satisfaction of life around what it means to fear God. We're really going to only understand and live life that's meaningful and satisfactory if we pursue fearing God first and letting him explicate himself, explain himself to us, and then tell us how to live life. There are four major sections to this book. Again, we're starting very, very wide and going to be going very narrow. But I think it's helpful for those of you that think in structure uh, to consider the four major sections of this book If you've studied this book before on your own, uh, you'll find a lot of guys that say there's no structure to this book, which lends it to even be more difficult to understand. And I would disagree with those folks. I would say there is uh, structure here that God the Spirit's given to us that will help us. The first major section, if you're taking notes, is really chapter 1 and verse 2 through chapter 2 and verse 26. 
chapter 1 and verse 2 through chapter 2 and verse 26. The second major section would be chapter 3 and verse 1 through chapter 5 and verse 20. 1, 2 to 2, 26, 3, 1 to 5, 20. The third major section would be chapter 6 and verse 1 through chapter 8 and verse 15. Chapter 8 and verse 15. The fourth and final major section would be chapter 8 and verse 16 to chapter 12 and verse 14. Okay. 6, 1 to 8, 15, and then 8, 16 to chapter 12 and verse 14. Let me summarize with a statement or two what each section is all about. And I think it would, again, broadly help us understand our approach as we board this plane together, right? where Solomon the wise is going. Chapter 1 and verse 2 through chapter 2 and verse 26 basically teaches that even though man seeks every way possible to please himself and make his life happy, he is powerless to make himself completely happy. Even though man tries everything possible to make themselves happy, he is ultimately powerless to make himself completely happy. Okay? Now, the next section is a little bit more verbose, a lot, a lot more words to it. Uh, I don't expect you to write it down, but you can listen to the live stream and maybe get the complete uh, wording. Chapter 3 and verse 1 through chapter 5 and verse 20 teaches us that God has a definite and detailed plan for your life. God has a definite and detailed plan for your life. And it's divinely beautiful. It's beautiful even though you may not be able to completely understand it. God has a definite and detailed plan for your life, and it's beautiful, even though you cannot understand it. God's plan, ultimate plan for you, will always be beyond your personal understanding. And at times, it may even be confusing. We might be tempted to be discouraged, and that's natural. Are you with me? It's natural for believers to become discouraged with God's beautiful plan for them they cannot completely understand. But the book's going to teach us it's unnatural for a believer to stay in that discouragement. Because ultimately we do what? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Amen. Lean not into your understanding. So he has a plan. It's beautiful. It could be discouraging and lead to discouragement. It could be complicated and lead to discouragement, but... He's going to teach us how here we can bring ourselves up out of that discouragement and live life his way. Chapter 6 and verse 1 through chapter 8 and verse 15. He gives us a paradox of sorts. Prosperity may not be good. And adversity or affliction is not always bad. Prosperity may not be good. And adversity or affliction may not always be bad. And understanding this 
will remove any idea in your mind that God is not fair. Prosperity may not be good, and adversity or affliction is not always bad, but understanding this will remove any idea that God's not fair. How many of you at one point in your life have thought, man, God's not fair? Raise your hand. My hand's the first one up. God's not fair. I don't get this. If God just knew, <laughs> right? Right? We, we unwittingly toss omniscience. God knows everything to the wind. If God just knew this situation, right, then we speak humanly conditionally, but this will remove any idea from your mind that God's not fair. Chapter 8 and verse 16 to chapter 12 and verse 14. Regardless of man's activity or joy in life, we are to fear God. And just write down verse 14. Regardless of man's activity or joy in life, we are to live, Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 14. 12 and... Uh, 13 and 14, right? Fear God and keep his commandments because this applies to every person. For God will bring every act into judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it be good or evil. Now let's go back and consider a verse at the end of each one of these four sections and let's see a similarity in wording, which would help us understand that there is a structure to this book. Right. Go with me back now to chapter 2. Remember we said the first section is chapter 1 and verse 2 to chapter 2 and verse 26. Let's look at chapter 2 and verse 24. Near the end of the first section, Solomon says there is nothing better for a man than to eat and drink and tell himself that his labor is good. This also have I seen, that it is from the hand of God. Now, let's go to the end of the second section in chapter 5 and verse 18. Chapter 5 and verse 18, where it says, Here is what I have seen to be good and fitting, to eat, to drink, and enjoy oneself in all one's labor in which he toils under the sun during the few years of his life which God has given him, for this is his reward. Now, the end of the third section, chapter 8 and verse 15. So, I commend pleasure... For there is nothing good for a man under the sun except to eat and to drink and to be merry. And this will stand by him in his toils throughout the days of his life, which God has given him under the sun. I'm sure by now all of you see a common refrain, some common words there, right? Whether you're laboring, whether you're toiling, or whether you're enjoying pleasure, you need to continue to eat and to drink and to be merry. Can I tell you what eat, drink, and be merry means in Solomon's mind? Keep living life. 
Keep persevering. While you're working, while you're toiling, while you're enjoying good things that God calls good pleasure, keep living life. You may not understand. You may not get it. You might be in a time of joy, and there's nothing wrong with life. Life is great, regardless where you're at. We've got to keep progressing. Keep living life. There's a lot of wisdom to that, isn't there? When we're depressed, when I'm depressed, I want my house empty, right? I want no noise. I want my couch, right? With my very large blanket. I want darkness, right? And sleep. Just leave me alone. It's okay to be there once in a while, right? Right? It's okay to be there, but it's unnatural for a believer to stay there. What's Solomon saying? Whether it's good or whether it's bad, get up and keep what? Keep living. Keep living. But you don't have to go it alone. We do this together with the Lord and his word and each other. Keep living life. And what he's going to tell us here in the book of Ecclesiastes is to live it wisely. Look at the end of the fourth section that we've already referenced. Chapter 12 and verse 13. You're not going to see eat, drink, and be merry. In other words, you're not going to see keep living life. What are you going to see? You're going to do that. You're going to keep living life. You're going to keep persevering with what in mind? With what in mind? This is the conclusion. When all has been heard, in other words, when your whole life has been lived. Fear God, live wisely. Keep his commandments, that's his word. Because this applies to who? Every person. So this book is written to who in the auditorium this morning? Everybody. Keep living it, but live it wisely. Why? For God will bring every act into judgment. Everything which is hidden, whether it be good or evil. So live it wisely. Live it wisely. Enjoy life. Enjoy life. Solomon's understanding, having had some success and some graphic failure in his life, as he looks back over over, over his shoulder at the rest of his life, he was saying, look, there's a lot of good to live for. Right? Whether it be labor, pleasure, or toil, live, live, live. Right? Live, live, live. Years ago when I was growing up, There was a beer commercial on television. Some of you will remember it. Many of you weren't even thought of yet by your parents or anyone other than God. And and it went like this, right? Right? Go for the gusto. Remember that? Go for the gusto. Gusto. I have no idea what gusto was. But the commercial implied, go get what you want. Get all of what you want, regardless of its consequences, because you deserve the gusto. You deserve it. Right? That's not what Solomon's saying here at the end of the book. Live life, enjoy it, go for it, so to speak, but as a believer, do it wisely. Do it wisely. And he's going to talk throughout the whole book what it means to live life joyfully, but wisely. Because his conclusion is going to be over and over in the book is this, right? The only way to live life with joy is to do it according to God's wisdom, 
man cannot define ultimately what it means to live life in a happy way. Only God can. Only God can. Next week in our final overview of this book, a final analysis of the overview, we're going to consider who God is and what he does in this book. Who he is and what he does. I want you to write these four things down and next week we're going to preach on them. Okay? Who is God and what does he do? This is what we were going to do this morning, but it was a whole lot better for us to celebrate some some good news at the beginning of the service as we sang together. So we'll get to this next week. God is everyone's powerful creator. God is everyone's powerful creator. And the way he details this in the book is incredibly encouraging. God is everyone's powerful creator. Number two, God is our wise sovereign. He is our wise sovereign. Okay. Number three, God is your perfect judge. God is your perfect judge. And finally, God is my supreme reality. God is my supreme reality. We're going to give an analysis of the wisest man in the world's understanding of who God is as an extra layer to help us understand what this wisdom literature would have for us and the way we continue to live life and enjoy it, but do so wisely. Okay? Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the opportunity to briefly look into your word. And though, Lord, it's a shorter time in your word, uh, we pray by your Spirit's help that it will be no less meaningful as we head on now to uh, three more sermons of what you've done in the lives of these sweet folks who have been born again. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.